0: Welcome to The Seeker's Quest. Good to be here with everyone. Good to be here with, with you both, Veda and CC, co-host. I'm Radha Priti. How are you guys doing today?
1: Yeah, I'm good. I'm in an ancient Indian city called Hyderabad. It is. It has many beautiful traditional temples. And uh, it's a place, it's one of the top Indian institutes called the Indian Institute of Technology. So it's a place where it's a top-notch science, but almost all the faculty here are from, a the top faculty here are from an ancient devotional a tradition called Shri Vaishnavism. So it's quite a nice place to be here.
0: Wow. Is that where you went to college?
1: No, I was in a different college in a different city. Oh, okay. A similar college. Not that pious,
2: but similar.
0: Cool, very cool. What about you, Veda? How are
2: he's, you? He's in a pious city with pious college faculty. <laughs> oh, cool. uh, I'm doing good. Same, same. You know, my life is just flowing like the river. It's a good song.
0: That Johnny B. Harrison song.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I don't I don't think I've heard that song.
0: Oh, really? You got to check it out. John W. Harrison, Like a River. It's one of my faves. Hmm. Yeah.
1: How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm still in Nashville. I leave today. Um, I had a nice experience here. I got to catch up with Cindy and I got to go to this um, mastermind business conference thing, which... You know, I've never been very interested in business. I'm always, I've always been a little bit more like, I liked engineering. I liked working for the government, uh, for the defense system. I was more like mission-based in that sense. The thing that's interesting to me about business is I'm watching like all these business presentations, and this is going to tie into the theme today. So stick, stick with me here. The thing that's interesting about business is it's like in engineering it's kind of like engineering in a sense, like in engineering, it's like, okay, this is your playing field. This is, this is how each of these pieces move. And then this is the objective. And what you want to do is put this together so that you're, you're optimizing all the objectives and, and business is kind of the same way in a sense. So it's, it's like, can, can be looked at as maybe a little bit more simple, like, okay, you're maximizing profits and you're minimizing loss. But for me, the problem that I always had with business is, it's like in doing that, you have to draw a sphere around like your circle of concern, and it can be a little bit murky. Like if you're just trying to maximize profits, then then who is that impeding, or how is that how, or who are you crossing over to 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 maximize your own profits? So it gets like a little bit complicated. And I've always thought this was interesting just generally in human nature is like how we decide the sphere of people or living beings or that, that we care about. And in one sense, I see like, you know, they give these business presentations and these people have some really nice values. Like a lot of times they're like, you know, my goal is just to get my time back so I can spend it with my family. And, and I'm like, that's, that's commendable. Like, that's great you know, their entrepreneurs are like really motivated and so that they can get their time back to spend it with their family. But then as I, sometimes as I look at the business plan, I'm like, "Hmm, I don't know. Like it's, it's all part of the equation. Like at what cost, at what cost do you have enough that. Maybe is hurting somebody else's ability to be with their family. Like, so just in just like it's an interesting equation. For me the question was never like it's never like oh it's difficult to to maximize profits and minimize minimize um losses. What's difficult is the decisions that you have to make in the meantime in determining like your sphere of what and who you care about and what you're willing to do to to make those profits. And it's like um in putting together a business plan for me, I feel like that would be the most Difficult and like crucial part is like, okay, if I'm, if am I making money off of this person hurting? Because if so, I'm I'm not really willing to make that decision. So it's um and so, it, I was that's kind of been my reflection this week. But then what we're going to talk about today is um kind of related in in vegetarianism in a spiritual practice, and it's kind of related in that you know it's the same thing that we kind of as humans and and in one sense we have to because it's practical you have to make a sphere of like where you're going to put your love and your care uh because it's not practical to do that for necessarily every living being you come in contact with but at the same time it's it can also be very polarized when we talk about vegetarianism like when we have we have billion multi-billion dollar industry off of like domestic animals like having pets And, and then at the same time, we don't so much have a problem like eat killing pretty, pretty brutally um, and eating animals. And so it's just where we draw the line and, and in terms of our sphere of concern and what that means and what we kind of turn away from and, and act like we don't see for our own convenience. It's all, it's all very interesting, um, decisions we make. And it's not always easy. So I'm also not just because regardless of what we do, we are, we're going to hurt s- some, I mean, you know, we drive in a car, we hit animals on our windshield. So it's like, anyway, these are my reflections. What do you guys think?
1: That's quite a good amount of thought about business. In many ways, you could say the Bhagavad Gita is, it's not just a philosophical book. It's an ethical book. And in one sense, philosophy is a philosophical wisdom, you can say, is a tool for ethical discussion. If mm-hmm. you consider that the Gita is spoken before a battlefield, and they should we fight, should we not fight? Last time we talked about Oppenheimer and how what is a lesser evil to choose. So, in the uh, in the yogic tradition, this word is, u- word is used for indigenous Kshetra. Kshetra means the influence that we have. So, if I am an individual, it's my area of influence.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now we could go into sphere of influence. We could say now it could you could use it whether it's sphere of influence in terms of control. I have some control. I don't have any control. I have little control. That. Don't get into that. But the point is that while we cannot have unlimited concerns, if we have, we'll be overwhelmed. But then to have no concern at all, anything beyond ourselves, that is also not healthy. So you could say that if we have a pendulum, we have total self-centeredness. Mm, that is definitely self-centeredness or selfishness is definitely unhealthy. But now, if you go to the other extreme, so we, we are caring only for ourselves. So I won't say the opposite here is, is of selflessness. It's more of self self-rejection. You don't have con- no, no concern about yourself at all. So in between, we find a balance of concerns. So self and others. So who are the others we are going to be concerned about? And how much are we going to concerned about the others? And that is, so you could say too much self-concern, too much, too little, and there's a balance in between. So overall, if you see, now, vegetarianism at one level, like I said, this, I'll make one more point and then we can have a discussion that see, there is ethical discussion and there is a philosophical foundation to the ethical discussion, ethical discussion. And then below that, there is a philosophical foundation to the discussion. Now often we use this word, I have my view and you have your view, but under the view, we have a worldview. Hmm? And if the two worldviews are different, then there cannot be even a reasonable discussion about views. So we need to actually look at the worldviews. So I don't want to absolutize here, but in the West, while there have been many different worldviews, but generally the worldview was that human beings exist in one sense above nature. Hmm? This is the idea, what is often called as human exceptionalism. Exceptionalism means that we humans are exceptional. So this to some extent comes from the Judeo-Christian idea that, uh, that God, that man is made in the image of God and that God sends his only begotten son to deliver human beings. So the idea is that that we are above nature. So nature is under our dominion. Nature is meant for our pleasure. So the relationship is that it is meant for our our control, our pleasure, our service, our pleasure. So whereas in the east, now again, the east is also very broad, but the east. It is and one sense understood, yes. You could say humans are above, but you could say there are all living beings. Now this is a pathetic excuse for a dog or a cat or whatever this is. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> but whatever so but if you have other animals, if you have a snake, you have a tree, so it's understood that we are all parts of the same cosmos as humans are more evolved. So the understanding is that we are all, all our souls in different bodies. So this leads to a, a more a vision of empathy of connectedness, that in one sense, it's not that we are all just nature, yes, we all have spiritual bodies we have spiritual beings but we are in material bodies so that's why here the relationship is more of harmony harmony than of of um, exploitation or taking for our one's own pleasure or one's own enjoyment okay so so
0: what you're saying is we Because we have different worldviews in the West than the East, this is where you kind of started with like, we can't even have a reasonable conversation unless we agree on a common worldview. So you kind of started explaining the West, the worldview in the West versus the worldview in the East, saying that in the West, we see everything as nature. And and we almost have this kind of hierarchical system that it's like, okay, we're humans, we're the highest. So then things that are lower than us, we we could use for our pleasure. Whereas in the East, there's more of a recognition that all the living beings ha- have souls in different bodies. So it almost is like an equalizer right off the bat. And in that way, the objective is more harmony between those souls. The focus, I guess, is more harmony between those souls as opposed to hierarchy. All I use what's below me and then what's above me uses me. Yes. Like that.
1: You know, the most beautiful verses, I think is also your favorite was. in the Bhagavad Gita, maybe you would like to speak about that. The Panditaha, or if you have have something else to speak, you can speak about that also. Go Mm
2: -hmm. ahead, Pandita, Samadarshina, you go ahead.
1: Yeah, so Panditaha, the idea is a wise person, Samadarshinaha, equal vision. It seems interesting, the equal vision is towards all living beings. Sama, Sama is equal, Darshinaha is to see. So it's equal vision towards all living beings. So we often talk about the human family. That's good to talk about the human family. That is at least better than talking about you know, my my race and your country and this and that kind of sec- that kind of sectarianism. But even bigger than that is to see that we all of cosmos is one family. sudhaiva kutumbakam. That's the verse. So, all living beings, we see them equal vision with equal vision because we see them all as spiritual beings. And this is a it's an equal vision with great level of inclusivity. So it's a philosophical way of rejecting the idea of the, the other living beings are meant for our gratification, our pleasure, our service. But no, we are all ultimately on the same journey of spiritual evolution. Even the animals, even the uh, non-human beings mm. say, so in fact, uh, previously the word subhuman beings was used. Now it is non-human beings rather. Yes. Yeah, so that it's uh, sometimes more than human world, apart from the human world that is there also there. It's all one family. And that that actually, while non vegetarian food is eaten in India also, but there is a almost implicit and universal understanding. That the vegetarian ethos is much higher. And people recognize that if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to have a more evolved consciousness, then uh, it's far better to ha- to abstain from a diet that involves violence to animals.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because on one level, we get this in our society like that, in the human with humans, we should all be equal. You know, we've had different like times in our history where, where certain groups of people have fought for more equal rights, like on the basis of race or gender like that. So we can feel it if we're not equal and we feel that it doesn't feel good. And we want to all have this, this equal, equal vision towards each other. But that's just because we're at the top. If we, it's like, if anything's higher than us, we want everyone to be equal. But we can't acknowledge that lower than us, It it's it's not really so fair for us to look at things that are lower than us, like consumption, like we can just do whatever we want. And it doesn't matter because they're lower, because when we when we feel lower, we know that it doesn't feel good. We don't like it. We're fighting. But but we could just kind of let that go if if, if it's lower than us. it doesn't quite make sense.
2: Yeah.
1: True. Peter, you want to say something?
2: Yeah, very big topic. It's a very beautiful topic. <clears throat> I encountered quite a, a, a broad array of opinions on this topic. So my outlook at this is, is really uh, what people eat is their expression is their template of expressing where their consciousness is. And I've noticed um, when we claim to be vegans, vegetarians, we're also killing. And those people who are eating meat, they're also killing. So it's not that we're killing less than them just because we're vegans or vegetarians so it's the, same, uh, it's the same killing. We're still taking a soul. But to be conscious of what we're doing and how what we eat has a certain level of consciousness, I think that makes a huge difference. And I, I know for an example, I used to have a vegan cafe in Atlanta. And people used to always come in and and want to argue and debate. Why are you giving them honey? Because honey is the labor of millions of bees and you're torturing them and they're becoming more and more extinct. And they would go on and on and on. So much so, I didn't have such valid arguments to refute them so we stop serving honey and we start serving jaggery but there are a lot of people who are very very deeply conscious about this topic okay and i think instead of taking a philosophical stand or a moral stand or an ethical stand i think the stand should be about conscious eating and nonviolent consumption of food minimize The impact of harm that we cause on other beings and on the planet.
1: That's beautifully put. No. Okay. Can I respond to a few points? Because you've got a lot of discussions, a lot of points worth discussing. So, this whole point of conscious eating, yeah, I ultimately, in one sense, whether it is ethics, or at least philosophy. Its whole purpose is ultimately to elevate our consciousness. I can, I can do the right thing. But if I'm doing it for the wrong reason, if somebody is vegetarian, but their concern is not for uh, animals, their concern is to parade their moral superiority over others. Then that kind of vegetarianism is not very helpful. It's um, they may not be harming animals, but they are trampling over other people. They are using their 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 ethics is just becoming a social cosmetic for their superiority. Like people, we have cosmetics they wear to look good. So ethics just is a way for looking good in people's uh, eyes. So, yes, elevating our consciousness is what is the most important thing. And if you see the Bhagavad Gita also speaks philosophy, it's not just uh, idle philosophy, it is philosophy that can help us think more deeply, act more compassionately. And in that sense, this elevating our consciousness is the most important thing and conscious eating is uh, actually an expression of either the consciousness that is elevated or a consciousness that seeks to be elevated. It understands that this kind of eating it is it is either an expression of an elevated consciousness already that that person is aware of the of what they are doing or it is it is striving for seeking elevated consciousness. So, I have a few more points to respond to what you said, but if you would like to say something, or rather, you would like to say something, you can please go ahead.
0: Do you have something, Veda?
2: You go ahead and then we'll share.
1: Okay, sure.
0: I just. Uh,
1: Okay, yeah, please go ahead.
0: Well, I was just thinking when you talk about elevated consciousness, that in itself is even can be kind of hard to define because what we tend to do is like, what I, even what i was talking about at the beginning like as i'm looking at these business plans and i'm saying okay if, if you're you know profiting x amount off of this person and you're building up your empire and they're really going down at what point like like i'm thinking this deeply into it but i don't i think a lot of times people just kind of don't think that deeply into it they just look more at their one side of the equation like oh this is good for me this is working for me So, like, in the same way with, like, when you go to the grocery store and you buy a package of meat, like, most people, 99% of people don't think of the slaughterhouse that 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 chicken came from and how unbearable and torturous those conditions were. And what's more is if you tell them, they don't, and and you say, oh, you send them a YouTube video, they're not going to watch it. People don't want to see that. So, it's like, in that way, they're almost, their consciousness, they're kind of protecting it by, like, almost like living in denial. But at the same time, kind of to what you were talking about, how do we even define those parameters around where we let our consciousness go and not? Like what Veda was saying, like, is honey so much of a big deal? Mm, maybe not.
1: Yeah, I was but, coming so to it's... come to that point.
2: So, <laughs> before we so, go, sister, I was just thinking how human beings, we have this nature and this tendency to attempt to be God. And I think we have a, it's a default material setting that we have that we think that we should be the moral police and we control uh, the, the ethics and morality of who lives and who dies. And this was something that used to bother me at first when I came to America, because in America, there's one famous quarterback, he was playing for Atlanta Falcons, Michael Vick, and he was convicted for dog fighting, which is completely illegal. And it should be legal. And he was sentenced and his career was over because he was involved in cruelty to dogs. But then the same people, they're okay when there is millions of cows being slaughtered and there's no they have decided that dogs should be uh, you know if you hurt dogs then you should go to jail and you can hurt other creatures like pigs and cows and and and, and horses then you and then then you go to jail and if you hurt the other three species that i just mentioned then it's okay. And you can hurt many, many other species. So I think that we have taken the position of God, who has what consciousness, who had the right to live and who dies. And I think it's a very dangerous position to take that we have become the moral judge of who lives and who dies. And our consciousness is something that I think needs to be
1: checked. Yes, is this inconsistency? is quite striking.
2: Hypocrisy is hypocrisy.
1: Uh, I wouldn't go so far. In general, yesterday I discussed that, the last time we discussed you that there is, whenever we see some wrong action, it could be ignorance, it could be incompetence, or it could be malevolence. Why is somebody doing something like that? So that uh, when somebody some, some wrong action is there some why are they doing it? So to say it's hypocrisy, well, maybe it is. Let's explore it. Generally, I would like to assume the least uh, least negative motivation for particular actions. And if those those motivations don't make sense, then we can look for more more negative motivations. So it it could be hypocrisy, as you said. Hypocrisy would be more on the side of malevolence. It could also be just a blind spot where you will just not thought much about it. Let me say, how can you not think about it? And that's something to think about. And let's explore that a little bit. But let me go back to a couple of points, which you mentioned that see, while it is, when I, when I say blind spot, that it's almost like there is no consciousness, no conscious awareness of it, you just not thought about it. Hmm? As hypocrisy is more of conscious denial or rejection, in that sense, the two are different. So
2: I use hypocrisy strictly because it is a conscious act to 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 increase your bank balance. You know, the, the greed for making money is is so strong, I feel, that it, it definitely completely, you know, you're inconsiderate of other aspects of uh in general, you're ready to sacrifice. You're ready to sacrifice certain standards in morality and ethics consciously. See, That's why uh, I said hypocrisy. But I'm willing to be, I'm willing to be challenged on this.
1: Well, I, yeah, I'm happy to challenge you at this point. But I also agree with you that, see, in general, in every society, there is a conscious minor majority, and there is an unconscious majority, and Often, this conscious minority is what guides. It acts like a. It's like the standard. So it is a standard, and people emulate this, emulate or abide by or follow whatever. The Gita talks about this in three twenty one. The leaders who shape other people's actions. So definitely, if you consider the whole. If butchers always existed in the past, mm-hmm. throughout human history, there have been people who wanted to eat meat and there are people who are ready to kill animals for eating meat. But from individual butchers to what like industrialized slaughterhouses, it's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And those who run this they are definitely aware of the amount of brutality that goes on over there and i think it was john lennon who said that if slaughterhouses had glass walls everyone would be a vegetarian Hmm? Mm -hmm. that so there are definitely i would say these industrial slaughterhouses it's one thing to kill one person one animal uh and then cut it and use its meat and it is another thing to have in this there are factory farms where thousands and thousands of animals are basically bred like commodities they are confined to live in extremely constricted spaces they are given foods artificial enzymes and stuff that will accelerate their growth okay, so that they will produce more flesh and fat in their body so that it can be eaten and they they have no life at all they just they exist so that they can become more and more edible food more palatable food now, cows are for example they are uh, in- injected with chemicals so that they will breed more cows or similarly with various animals uh, so the point is that this is definitely extremely brutal so what you said is this is not just hypocrisy I would call this brutality hmm? but the people who are aware of this is a minority most people are not aware of it and the people who do become aware of it they definitely the the, so so they definitely as they become aware they they rethink their choices so when i say this is degraded it is the scale scale is far more it's literally millions and millions of animals are killed not just every year or lifetime it's every month millions of animals are killed and then the cruelty that is there is even more there are times when animals are killed uh, in the in the most efficient way even if that means it's the most painful for the animals and some there in some cases i won't even go into specifics but some cases found that if a animal bleeds profusely to death somehow its meat tastes more better so then instead of giving us one clean wound which kills the animal you let it bleed brutally to death so that the, so the scale the number of animals being killed is greater the cruelty involved is far greater and then beyond that a cover-up that is there that is also far greater so it's the for example one of the euphemism that is used is it's not slaughterhouses it's the meat packing industry It's as if your meat is readily available in nature and all we are doing is just packing it and giving it to you. So because of these three things, I would say that definitely there is a significant level of hypocrisy, but these are people who are in the minority and like you talked about commercial interests. These are people who, for whom this is, all that matters is money. But beyond that, there are a lot of people who are just unaware. So till now all that I talked about was this, this minority. The conscious and Now, here, when you are using the word conscious minority, you can say that this is the consciously malevolent minority. The consciously malevolent minority. They know what they are doing, and still they keep doing it. So, so quite it's almost like yeah,
0: we can all we can all agree that this mindset is destructive. This like only me mentality. How do I get more? I need more. Like this greed at the expense of what it, it doesn't matter. But I like what you said at the beginning too, where like, it's nearly impossible to, to, I mean, you can't consider everything or you just literally won't do anything. Like I said, like even driving a car, you're, you're killing bugs on your windshield or serving honey at a vegan restaurant or, so it's like, how do we find that reasonable center and, and make decisions from that, whether it be business decisions or decisions for our family or decisions of what we're going to eat. How do we, how do we do that without going down an endless rabbit hole of, uh, you know, make almost being paralyzed because we don't want to hurt anybody, but at the same yeah. time, reasonable way of living that. Cause the definition of good consciousness, I mean, you could take that so high.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but then that you're not doing about- anything. You know, we could I, just, what, what talk about is minimal harm. Yeah, Veda, you can speak.
2: I, I sometimes think that if we had mother consciousness on this planet, and the world would definitely be eating less meat and eating more consciously. I know when I go to a grocery store, I see mothers reading every single label seeing what is good for the kids. We want, I want my child to be the most nourished, the most happy, the most uh, intelligent. I want my son and my daughter to succeed. So this is how a mother thinks. And every time I'm in the store, I've noticed that women, they read every single label. And I can tell you, you know, I haven't had mother since I was five. But I can still almost taste my mother's cooking is because it was so conscious, thinking of how to best feed my child with the most nourishing uh, available food out there. And if more and more people get into this consciousness of reading everything, how to to put the most uh, conscious, the most healthy food in the body of our children and educate that and filter down that consciousness to their kids, I think it would make a huge world of difference. This is what I I, I keep thinking of how, always solutions to how to minimize what consciousness is needed. And, you know, I, I strongly believe what we eat is what we become. It's a transfer of consciousness. What goes in our belly is literally a transfer of consciousness. And if we're eating animals that were brutalized mercilessly in captivity, the fear, the the emotional transfer that takes place is what I believe is the cause of mental health issues globally. Because it is simply a transfer of fear to the fear. And look at the weapons, look at the destruction, look at the carelessness in the world. These are my thoughts. I'll stop, rest my case. Yeah, it's a...
1: I don't know whether there was a case or there was a rant. <laughs> it's a rant. It's a rant. <laughs> it is a, okay. I, uh, it a lot of points which you made. And I agree that, in one sense, both our views and our worldviews, they arise from our family. so mothers are the shapers of the family values, and in that sense, the mother consciousness is actually very helpful. In fact, when you use the word mother consciousness, there's also this one point which i didn't mention in the in the broad Vedic tradition, it is understand that. All life, not just humans, all life are considered to be like children. And the earth in particular, or nature in general, is considered to be like the mother, and God is the father. So the idea that we are all one family, it is not just the idea that all living beings are together, it is it's a cosmic family. So this understanding was vakutumba Kutumbakam that the Sanskrit phrase for that it has a philosophical vision behind it also. So just coming back to your point of being conscious, when we talk about, I'm going to address two points. You know, one is about the honey. I'll come to that shortly shortly, but one principle we could use is that you, you want to cause minimal harm wherever we go so even if somebody is working in a company every company decides that okay these are the these are the areas where we don't want to cause harm these are the areas we want to we we don't really care or that's not our priority mm-hmm. so for example now the iPhones and even the, the tesla cars have these uh, batteries now they are considered to be very eco-friendly, or iPhones are kind of very trendy. But iPhones, you know, many of the parts for them are made from the, from the labor camps that are there in Eager in China, where where over a million Muslims having are, are being kept in something equivalent to concentration camps and being indoctrinated by the Chinese government. But that's the labor that is being used over there. The Tesla cars that we use, often the cadmium that is required, that's brought from the mind from under the earth and children are extensively used to because, uh, to get deep into the minds so everywhere some harm or the other is being caused now the point is while we cannot avoid causing harm at least we need to be conscious and then we make a conscious choice is this what i want to do but with respect to minimal harm if we consider at a broad polar vegetarian versus non-vegetarian food now somebody may say okay plants are also being killed yeah that is true no doubt about it plants are being killed but if in the case of plants there is a big difference in general the consciousness is much lesser among plants so there are three factors the consciousness is much lesser and that is seen in a from a biological perspective there's a underdeveloped nervous system so when a plant is harmed or killed underdeveloped nervous system that means that there is far lesser pain that they experience because the under the nervous system itself is so underdeveloped now secondly if you consider some things like fruits there is no killing involved at all in the fruits they just fall off one of my friends is uh, runs a orchard so he says that even when you have to pluck say pears or apples or mangoes one of the ways to test it is that you hold it and you just, just pull it slightly if it is ripe just slightly pulling it will actually be very easy to break it if it is not yet ripe then you have to apply a lot of force to pull it out so in one sense fruits they are anyway going to fall and they are uh after they fall they'll just get wasted so we are not really killing fruits mm-hmm. and then thirdly if we consider something like crops now if you consider crops they are harvested at the they are more or less at the end of their life at the end of it what's going to happen is that If they are not cut, they are going to get wasted. So that's very different from so different from a slaughterhouse. So if you consider, if you have a child, and the children, the school says that we are going to take our children for a field trip. Okay, where are we going? They say that we are going to a harvest festival. So at that time, the idea is that people go there. The mood of celebration. Every every agrarian economy has. A mood of has some songs and some celebrations and some rites. It's a moment of celebration of gratitude of joy when nature has given its bounty uh, and we are receiving it. So a field trip to a harvest festival is something which any parent would be happy. But compare that if the school says we are going to take take children to a slaughterhouse. How many parents would want children to go there? so why so we we implicitly understand that there is a difference in degrees between the amount of violence that is created involved so animal in the killing of animals there is far greater violence in the in the consumption of vegetarian food there is violence but there is there some case sometimes there is very less violence sometimes there is no violence you consider when animals are killed it's not that the animals are killed when they are grown old and they're on the they're in the they're anyway about to die they are killed when they are at the peak of their life and then when they're young and they're healthy most of the time that's what happens in slaughterhouses at least when, when there are industrialized slaughterhouses so the the harm in non-vegetarian food is much greater i already mentioned the cruelty and the scale and the cover-up but this is some. This one principle we could use: the principle of causing minimal harm. I want to talk about the honey, honeybee part. But any comments on this?
0: No, I'm glad you pointed that out about the plants versus the animals, because that's a common question I think you get. It's okay. So why is it okay with plants? So that's good. Yeah. So I now, like the, uh, go ahead, like please.
2: I like this point because it is the closest thing to mother nature. When we talk about eating, eating something that she's directly providing, there is very minimal uh, uh, human fingerprints. There's, you know, it's not going through a chain, then it is extremely healthy. We always try to eat whole foods. I always encourage people to make their own gardens because not only is it healthy, but it's also therapeutic. It's more direct. Mm. You know, all the everything that you eat, I don't know how long it's been sitting in the packaging, in you know, what temperatures, and this, this, this uh, food just you pick from the tree and eat. It's just like here is Mother Earth giving you something to eat. Here is all the candies, all the fruits, you know, I consider fruits like the candies, you know, whatever you want. You don't have to go to Hershey's factory to eat from the factory and all kinds of uh, additives and things that are made just to get you more intoxicated. Exactly. So eating
1: so you might like from. this. Well, there is this food made of plants and there's food made in plants. So <laughs> in, in industrial plants and made by natural plants, so it's far better to eat food that is made of plants than food that is made in plants. That
2: was a good one. That's really quick. I love
1: it. <laughs> yeah. So I think this is also a good example of natu- Of as awareness is increasing, more and more people are turning toward natural foods.
2: Mm-hmm
1: so um, i have a whole article in fact at one time i plan to write a book on vegetarianism in general i talk about you know how how your food how the food that you eat can help the world i use the word acronym help that we won't have time to go into all of this but i'll just mention this and we can discuss in the future from a health perspective there are lots of surveys which actually very clearly indicate that vegetarian food is far better than non-vegetarian food especially if somebody gets a heart attack then the first thing they're told is give up red meat so by the food that we eat we are we are improving our health and second is we are actually envi- improving the environment because what happens is that if this much land is required to feed one one non vegetarian person. Then actually, in that much same land, if you consider, so let's put it this way, that same land can put feed nine vegetarian people. Why? Because when the food is non vegetarian, it actually goes through animals and it made into flesh, and then it comes to humans. And when it goes to animals, that means the land can be used either for agriculture to make grains for humans or the same land can be used to make fodder for animals but if it go, goes to make fodder for animals then most of the food that the animals eat that is excreted through their body and only a small part of it becomes edible flesh so actually speaking for the environment itself um, um, vegetarian food is very good now there is so much awareness of climate change and uh, environmental challenges but There is a huge emphasis on avoiding carbon but actually meat avoiding meat could actually benefit the environment much more and in a far more intrusive far less intrusive disruptive way and then the third is livestock that i we this is what we discussed mostly that the animals who live and are to die just so that they can we can have some food that tastes good on our tongues that is so All that brutality can be avoided, and the last part is poverty. And actually, now environment and poverty are slightly related. The same point which I mentioned earlier about the same amount of land, if it's used to make fodder, then it can feed far lesser people. But if it's used to make food for humans, it can feed far greater human beings. So, actually speaking, if If the whole world turned vegetarian, we would have no food shortage at all. I think the FAO, Food and Agriculture Organization, they said that we can actually with the existing land resources that we have, we can feed five times the human population, present human population. If we just use the land resources properly. So we could actually just by every bite that we eat, we can make a difference in in not just for the animals that are being killed, but for a far, far bigger level. So this is an example of expanding our consciousness so that we can be more aware of what we are doing and how we are acting.
0: Wow. Okay. We, we only have about five minutes left. After listening to you both, um, I I have some, uh, conclusions, I think of like my, my opener for the original story in this in terms of kind of okay. building a business can i just make and... one point
1: about the bees before i conclude if yeah you please do so see i won't be able to address it exhaustively see there's vegetarianism and there is veganism now vegetarianism is all right that's why i talked earlier about it's not just a dietary choice it's not just an ethical choice it's actually a philosophical choice or the philosophical worldview So this arises from a worldview, at least in the East, vegetarianism arises from the worldview of harmony. Harmony means different living beings live in cooperation and every living being contributes to another living being. So, say for example, the idea is that if you consider cows, now some people say they don't take cows milk also because it's meant for her children. Yeah, it is meant for her cows, but it is not meant only for her cows actually a cow produces especially a cow that is taken care of uh, in a loving environment a cow produces more milk so cows and humans if they are one family then they're in a family there is loving give and take is loving reciprocation so in nature also the specific word in biology uses symbiosis where two org- organisms not only live together but they contribute to each other now, there are there are certain versions of certain certain species of cows and bulls which can live in the wild, but relatively speaking, cows are tender animals and they need human care. So cows and humans living together, humans take care of cows and cows take care of humans by cows, reciprocate by providing milk. So this is the idea of harmony, whereas veganism, eight uh, often has the idea of segregation. Rather than harmony, that we humans should not be taking anything from the animal world. Now, it is true that nowadays, when milk is produced, it is not given lovingly by a cow, it is forcibly extorted, and that's why we have the dairy industry. That is a different issue, but in nature, in principle, we don't need segregation between living things. So, the idea is that there are many beings in nature which produce things which can be used by humans without causing any harm to them without causing harm to the animals and then humans also contribute to those living beings now i visited in india a farm where we have a farm in this, in a Southern Indian state, Karnataka, where they are trying to live completely in harmony with nature, where they don't even use electricity. So they said that when they have honey harvesting, what they do is in normal honey harvesting, the honey bees are just considered producers. And then either you you, you use burn to fire to drive them away or use something chemicals to kill them or whatever. But here, There is a harmonious way in which certain natural fragrances are placed around the honeybee, where a honeybee is primarily, where where a, where a honey hive is. And on seeing that fragrance, the honeybees one by one, they just fly away from there. And they go to another place and they build a honey hive over there. And then the earlier honey hive, you can use that, you can use the honey from that. And actually speaking, in some ways, the the honeybees that produce more and more honey, sorry, the honeybees that produce more and more honey, they actually live longer. So if if in one sense the honeybees they just stay on one honey hive throughout their life, then they don't live longer. It's like we when we do exercise, our body is healthier. So producing honey in in some I'm simplifying a complex eco, uh, ecological phenomena. It's like a bare bones explanation, but the idea is that we should not eat honey at all or we should not take milk at all we should not take any particular any animal product at all that it almost segregates animals from humans and what we want is not segregation but harmony but cooperation reciprocation so that is where uh, that is where if we have a more refined consciousness a more aware consciousness then we we can look at this harmony in harmony and reciprocation in nature. Now, is this the way honey is produced today? Well, hardly ever. But can it be produced in that way? Definitely, it's possible. So that's that's one point about segregation versus cooperation.
0: Oh, wow, that's a beautiful point. Also, I'm glad you you mentioned that. That makes it a lot more clear. Thank you. So either
1: you want to add any last thing before we finish, or you can summarize. Otherwise,
2: yeah, it's nice. There's so much to say, but we are out of time. But I would just take one second to say that even those who are mothers, they know that the body, you know, the divine is so kind that it provides this beautiful nourishment for the child through their bodies, and it always provides in access. And therefore, even humans, they have a first-time practical experience. They're, you know, they're such loving towards their kids, their body just produces this food for the children. And they produce this more than the children need. So as a result, they have these pumps, because it's painful for a mother to have all of this milk in her body that is not being taken. So they have to use pumps to take it out. So mothers know this principle. And cows, similarly, I know in Gitanagari, when I went there, I see, you know, the calves cannot drink. The udders are so big, so much milk. So then the, the cowherds, they go and they just beautifully milk the cows with such affection. So it's a very beautiful uh, experience that all mothers can experience this. And all humans can go to a farm and see, especially in Gitanagari, this farm in Pennsylvania, where they have this loving care for the cows. Okay, I'm done.
0: Hmm. Thank you. So nice. Yeah, you know, I I, was just...
1: Please, go ahead.
0: Well, when I came into this, I'm, you know, got in this transitional phase of like I was doing engineering, designing nuclear submarines for the Navy. And I was always very comfortable with that because the working for the government, it was actually great. Like it was safety's a priority, taking care of the sailors, um, being clean. And, and, and you could argue any of these points and say, Hey, we need this resources to do this. And they would provide it. Like it was just, it was very mission-based, very clear like that. And I'm working for a, for profit company was always kind of uncomfortable for me like i said because then you kind of have to make these decisions but what i've got after talking about all this and listening to this wisdom is like if i were going to build my own company or business it's it's unrealistic to think that that everything needs to be it everything will be completely uh, harm free to to anybody like with your examples with the cell phone As you kind of break it down and you look at the different pieces and where they're coming from and who they're working on and who's working on them, there's going to be some, some questionable things going on. But if you don't, if you use it as a reason to not act in this world, then you could really be, you could, you could be missing the opportunity to make a great contribution. And it's a little idealistic to think that everybody is going to be at that level of consciousness where, I mean, ideally we could all be at that level of consciousness where that's not happening, but the reality is it's just, that's just not the level of consciousness that we're at. So if we want to make a real, if we want to still be able to contribute and influence other people and maybe try to make some kind of impact on the collective consciousness, best we could do, like if, I, if I'm if i going to build a business is like you said, define my sphere of influence that I can influence in that business. And then try to inspire people that I'm working with to make steps towards a higher level of consciousness and accept that it's not going to be, they're not going to be massive steps. We're not all going to be at this level together. There's, it's going to be maybe a, a company that's working with other companies that are at different levels. But what I can do is make sure I define a sphere of influence that I feel like is a pretty high standard and then work with other companies or collaborations that and that I can maybe inspire or influence to take steps higher. Like, like for instance, when I did work in that office, my team, we had a team, we all sat together all the time. We talked together. We, we became really good friends and I always ate vegetarian food and they would, at first they gave me a hard time. I was like that weird girl, but by the end they were like, Oh, Rachel, you know, we've, we've, uh, we just do meat one night a week now. Like they were making little steps to like, and they were into it. They were like excited about it. So it's like, you know, like you were saying with those cell phones, like maybe if you can work out some kind of collaboration where you could influence them to take a step up in the treatment of of their people in the manufacturing part, then maybe one baby step at a time, we can all raise the collective consciousness. If we can all be a little more accepting and uh, loving of, of where we're at. That's Be- that's what I that's what I got from all this.
1: <laughs> Beautifully put. I think you know you the key is we help people elevate their consciousness. Just think a little bit more and uh, consider this perspective. Consider how you could avoid harming this. So what Veda also said that that ultimately we just want to ensure that help everyone become more conscious about their choices, more conscious about what they eat, how they live. So yes. Rather than rather than thinking that we are imposing a particular worldview on anyone or we are doing moral policing of someone, what we are actually trying to do is equip equip everyone with tools, or resources for raising their consciousness. So I started I'll quickly summarize if you don't mind. Please I started started by talking about how our our views, in one sense, you could say we, our actions, they arise from our views and our views arise from our worldviews. So you know, there, are, there is ethics and to the, and the foundation of ethics is, is philosophy. It's a worldview. So you talked about how we all have to make choices. Okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to harm? So then I talked about the Eastern Western worldviews. East versus West. The idea is, it's not always polarizing, but that we are above nature, or we are a part of nature. Yes, there is some elevated consciousness, but we are a part of nature, and that leads to how we look at nature. Then we discuss the principle of uh, how the and the meatpacking industry, the slaughterhouses, how they are actually. Far brutal than what was in the past in the history, there's a scale, the cruelty involved in it, and the, and then the cover up how so there's this, there's a small minority which is actually shaping the majority in this case, the minority of vested interests is leading to the majority of people making choices that are the default choices for them which they don't even think about and then they talk about the principle of minimal harm the difference between hmm. human be, human killing up eating vegetarian food and eating non-vegetarian food, how the harm is much more non-vegetarian food. And then this is more or less the last part which we came to was that if we all of us can become a little more conscious about what we do, then through that consciousness, someone might become a vegan which is definitely, we could say many ways better than being a non-vegetarian. But then vegan, is so non-vegan, non-vegan, the idea of, non-vegetarianism is based on the idea of exploitation, animals are there for our exploitation. But veganism is sometimes based on the idea of segregation. We should have nothing to do with them. But vegetarianism, and if we could say almost like spiritual vegetarianism that comes from the East is both based more on the idea of cooperation and reciprocation. So, That is where we can try to move and we can help each other move forward one conscious step at a time in that direction. Thank you.
0: Beautiful. Thank you both.